Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new Flyers Daily for Wednesday, June 8th. Part two of Ask Billy is coming up in just a moment. We'll get to the second half of Flyers Twitter questions in that segment we like to do, hashtag Ask Billy. If you missed part one, that was on Monday. Check that out uh, in your download queue and go back and check it out. Some good questions in there and some good ones tackled in this episode as well. Before we get to part two of Ask Billy, Bruce Cassidy fired by the Boston Bruins the other night, Monday night I guess it was, and now the head coaching vacancies in the NHL, there's five of them including the Flyers, Dallas, the Flyers, Vegas, Detroit, and Winnipeg, all teams without a head coach. And Chicago, Edmonton, and Florida are three teams that had an interim head coach. You think probably Edmonton and the job that Jay Wickroft did there, getting that team to a conference final, getting them to the playoffs and then to a conference final was pretty good, and he'll likely get extended. And another interesting one would be Andrew Burnett down in Florida. He had his team as the President's Trophy-winning team, humming on all cylinders, but a pretty uh, embarrassing second-round defeat against their biggest rival in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, it's the two-time cup champion Lightning. I get it. But they only scored three goals in the four games and got swept. So where it was probably a slam dunk before that series that Brunette would get the job, I still think that he will. Maybe not as much of a slam dunk now. So really, six jobs up for grabs. Again, the Dallas Stars, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Detroit Red Wings, the Winnipeg Jets— and Chicago Blackhawks. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And with Bruce Cassidy out there right now, another potential coach that jumps to a lot of teams right to the top of their list. Those teams I mentioned, and also teams like with Barry Trotz, maybe have a coaching staff in place, weren't thinking about making a change. Maybe Barry Trotz said, hey, if we can get Barry Trotz, we would make a change. Maybe they're not going to be able to get Barry Trotz. Maybe he goes somewhere else. But now Bruce Cassidy's available as well. When guys like Trotz and Cassidy get fired, coaches around the league kind of get a little squirmish. Oh, man, is my owner going to want Bruce Cassidy? Is my owner going to want Barry Trotz over me? And just because you didn't get let go in the season and you still have term on your contract, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're safe when there's a good coach available. And in this case, a lot of good coaches available. So, We'll see how this kind of changes the dynamic in the coaching market. Coaching market kind of trumping the the player free agency market at this point with some of the names out there when you consider the guys that are available that are looking to get back in. And you have some cup-winning coaches out there that are available, some really big names and really good coaches. Bruce Cassidy goes to that list now as well. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's get to part two right now. Ask Billy. We had part one on Monday. Go back and check it out if you missed it. And here is part two. Eric, Flyer Eric tweets and he says, what will it take for the Flyers to begin become a desired destination for players? Hashtag ask Bill. Now, I'm, I'm looking for the article right now as I read that from Sean Shapiro of The Athletic wrote an article earlier in the year. And I had him on my um, Flyers or on um, Stick to Hockey Live show to talk about it. And the Flyers were ranked second after a yeah. polling of NHL agents on where they would kind of push their clients to go. And the Flyers came in, excuse me, third. Said, money being equal, which team or owner would you steer your player clients toward? Tampa was number one. Toronto was number two. And the Flyers were number three. And I asked him why. And he said, he brought up some interesting things. The way they deal with players, the way they take care of their families, the fact that any player that makes his debut with the Flyers, whether you're on for a long career, you're going to get one NHL game and that's it. You get to keep the jersey. 
Yeah. Listen, people, every other city, they got to pay for that jersey. Yeah. <laughs> it, walk it, off it, Mike, yeah. Mike McKenna's tweeted about that, actually. Mm-hmm. That, you know, he said, yeah, he said to buy the jersey and, it, you know, it, uh, I mean, yeah, Mike, Mike puts good stuff out there anyway. But, but on that particular topic about, keeping your jersey and he has some interesting stuff it, it's worth looking up his account to see just see how much it meant to him because that does mean something that does mean something to players yeah he, he mentioned in a story too that somebody said uh the flyers do the little things right always have whether it's the making whether it's making the right amenities for the players or having the right things for the wives so that's a reason there was a quote that said you play in philly and you know the organization cares about you and your family so they are well thought of in that regard. So that, that notion that we get sometimes as outsiders looking in or fans get that, oh, nobody wants to come play here because we had a horrible season. Let's, the most attractive thing to a player who has a small window of time to get as much money as he can is money. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, yeah, I was going to say the number one thing they can do is have cap space again. Yeah. That, 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 will, you know, that determines a, a whole lot. You know, I think done. one of the reasons Tampa comes in number one there, Bill, is there's a couple things. Number one, you can play in Tampa and you're not you, you can go to the grocery store and not be yeah. harassed, even after winning back to back cups. You can also take less money to build the team right, but still walk away with more money than in most other markets because of the no income tax. I think that's yeah, yeah, the same thing in Dallas, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think that's I think that's an advantage. I think the league should look at that in some way to try and balance that. But I don't know that you can. Um, uh, Flyers Ginger Ambassador tweets in Yarnbarler Kev, and he says, can you explain an offseason? He said, do these guys have to check in? He said, I've heard they get a list of items to work on. Is it their, at their direction or discretion as to who they train with? Would you agree some guys need face-off circle help, an area really lacking without G? Now you get Couturier back, and he's obviously very good in the face-off top. But, yeah. um, so as far as an offseason for the player, they have their exit meeting with uh, the management staff. They meet with right. the media. They meet with me as well. And then they go off into their off season and they are in essence, given a list of what they want to do and when to check in and, you know, get progress reports and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, I mean, the flyers, the standardized things as much as possible the year or two ago, you know, they, they encourage, but you can't require, you know, players to use the facility at Voorhees over the summer. Um, some guys, particularly young players, do that. Rehabbing players often do that. Other guys, you can't blame them. They want to go home over the summer, and yeah. that's fine. And any which way, it's not going to, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all that the player uh, train in Voorhees with the, you know, Flyers facilities and, and whatnot. But, it, you know, it, it can certainly help. Um, they A lot of these guys have personal trainers, Um you know, some guys have a skating coach they work with, their own skills. skills guys, goal, yeah. look, look, look at the goalies, right? Uh, they you know, they have a goalie coach they may work with over the summer. Um, yeah, Kim Dillaball went up last year to work with Carter and Dustin Schwartz. <laughs> Schwartz he's been yeah. his goalie coach for years. Correct. So, it, 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 that, you know, that that's that's what it looks like a little bit, assuming a guy's not on an injury rehab. Um, and it's a step-up process. A guy will usually take off a month, six weeks, you know, relax a little bit. I mean, he'll, you know, still hit the gym and whatever. He does check in with the team. And, I mean, the, the proof is going to come, obviously, when you report for camp because they're going to measure your body fat. You know, they're, it's going to be going to be pretty intensive, right? So, um, but 
but there are there are check-ins and some some guys maybe they work out at home for part of the summer and they come in the beginning of August. I mean, it's usually by the middle of August you have a number of guys that are there, and usually at least what a week to ten days, pretty much everybody's there. Yeah, you know, pretty much every um, day. Yeah, so that's that's you know that's kind of how the off season looks. It's different if a guy is rehabbing. I mean, you know, he might be uh, he might have a short summer to where he's rehabbing the injury and maybe he doesn't begin uh, more intensive skating until August sometime. Yeah, there's a um, transitional period in there from rehab to training for the season. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's a step up thing because you don't you want to risk re injury. So, I mean, it depends on the player, but everybody's on a program. It's more standardized than it used to be. Um, you know, I mean, it used to be, I mean, part of the reason why the training camp was as long as it is, at least traditionally, was players had to lose weight. Yeah. A lot of guys, they would go home, they drink beer, they go fishing. You know, those those days are gone. Yeah. So you have to, you know, they, they, those off-season months are, are critical. And most guys have other specific things they just want to work on over yep. the summer. Yeah, I talked to Joel Farrell about that. He said, I want to work on my one-timer. Yeah. Work on my shot. Morgan Frost said the same thing. I want to work on my release. Yeah. Something you've talked about quite a bit when it comes to Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett is is that release to make it NHL worthy to beat goaltenders at the highest level. Uh, let's combine these two, Bill. Eric Flack, and we'll uh, combine them with Vasily at Flyer It Up. Uh, we'll start with what Eric said. He said, based on the mock draft projections, it looks like one of the two stud D men may fall to the Flyers. Why should we be excited about getting one of them? Uh, who do you see as the most exciting player, highest upside available at number five? And is there any catch the Flyers, any catch the Flyers would pick them? I guess any chance the Flyers would pick them. And then Vasily says, which prospect would you be your preference in regards to the Flyers at number five uh, on July 7th at the NHL draft in Montreal? So let's talk about the two D-men first, the two stud yeah. D-men. Um, do you believe that one of them could fall to the Flyers at number five? I expect, I expect at least one of them to, yeah. Uh, I think the first three picks are going to be forwards. Unless somebody just loves one of the D's so much, you know, like Nemec, maybe they, they maybe they take him, you know, in, in the top three somewhere. But I expect the first three will be some combination of Wright, uh, Slavkovsky, and Cooley. You know, maybe, you know, maybe. I mean, you hear you hear the buzz that hey, it's not a hundred percent that Wright goes first. Yeah, I don't know. Silly you season know. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, although sometimes you know, I. <laughs> I mean, listen, Seth Jones was going first over until he didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously McKinnon certainly worked out as the first pick. But, you know, sometimes that guy, oh, he's, he's number one, he's number one, and then maybe he's not. But it, he, it's still going to be some combination of those, those guys in the top three, I think. Um, then, you know, maybe you have a, a fourth forward go in the top four, and then the Flyers have their pick of either either defenseman. Um you know, I would be very comfortable with the Flyers taking either guy. I mean, I'm, I'm and speaking personally, uh, you know, if there's a, if there's a, if it works out that both, you know, well then somebody in the top three is going to fall to you. Yeah. But uh, if, if the Flyers like a forward, but you have, uh, you know, if the Flyers like a forward better than say Juracek, say say they have a concern over Juracek's knee, although he. You know, although he did play in he did play in the World Championships for the Czech Republic, you know, seems healthy now. I think I think he's sound. But let's say there's a forward they like. I think they could probably trade down a few spots and maybe still get that guy. 
like eight or um, nine. Yeah, that maybe maybe at about eight or nine. Um, you know, like you hear Matt Savoy's name a lot, right? Now, there's but do you look at a lot at, of varying opinions on Savoy? There's a lot of varying opinions. I, the the biggest opinion just being can he play center in the NHL? Yeah, and and a lot of people I've talked with say this guy, and, and, and it's been my own observation too that I think he needs to play wing. Um, and not, nothing wrong with that. If, if you think he's going to be an impact winger, then make him a winger. Um, you know, the Travis Konechny was a junior center who became became a winger. Yep. Many, 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 many smaller wingers in the NHL were centers just because they're smarter and more skilled, and their coaches in the junior level put them at center. But if, if you look at where Savoy's rankings are, and um, most have him in the top 10. Uh, Craig Button actually has him 17th. Wow. Which just tells you there's there's a wide array of opinions. You might be able to, you know, you might be able to trade down a few spots, and if you really like them, then you can get them at eight, and you know, and and then you have them pick up another pick to go along with it. So, you know, that that's kind of where I lean. Um, I don't think that there's very many guys in this draft who are going to be NHL ready right off the bat. And you know, like like with even if you take one of the defensemen, that's that's a mighty big ask to ask a yeah. teenage defenseman to come in. Play twenty minutes. I mean, develop the guys in their own time. When they're, yeah. when they're ready. Power went and played at Michigan last year. He was the number one overall pick. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I I think that um, you know you, even you know like Slavkovsky. Let's say he goes second over. I don't know if he jumps right to the NHL. This yeah. this isn't uh, you know this isn't the draft where you have these, these generational franchise talents. It just isn't. It's it's actually on the whole a very ordinary draft. It doesn't mean you're not, it doesn't mean they're not going to be good players, maybe even some stars, but there aren't that many guys. You go, this guy's a slam dunk. This yeah. guy, you know, there, there's a, you know, there's going to be a big drop off if you don't step up and take him. Yeah, um, you so look I at think, a guy like like with Bedard next year. Like that's right. not the right. case. So you slam no, dunk. A, yeah, that's that's a superstar. Yeah. That's a superstar talent. Who, who? Yeah, it's absolutely a generational kind of player. He'll he'll play in the NHL at 18. Be a very good player in the NHL at 18, and you know by the time he's 21, 22 years old, you know he'll be, you know he'll he'll be a superstar. I, yeah. I think that 120 points, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, well, he'll, he's, yes, he's he's one of those kind of guys. And even the top, you know, next year would be a great year to draft in the top five. It's just how it works out sometimes. I mean, yeah. the Flyers should get a quality guy if they hold it. I, I, you know, there's there's nobody that goes. This is the guy you have to draft. There, there's. Um, you know, there's other guys you can make a case for if the Flyers move down from five. Because I think if you, I think if you hang on to the five, you take a D. Yeah. But and, if, and you, if move you move back, down, you can get, get, get into that second round again. Yeah. Which would be nice. I mean, it'd be, it'd be very nice to get back in the second round. Um, you know, the Flyers interview a lot of players. There are, there are guys that they do are, they are able to get back in the second round. Might be in play for them. But right now, you know, boy, you're, you're drafting at five. You've but you can really have to get that right because you're not thinking again till the fifth pick of round three Ooh, in a fairly shallow draft. So that feels you, like gotta, you really got to get that right. Yeah, that feels like an eternity away yeah. at that point. You, you know, Bill, one of the things, too, with the draft and Chuck Fletcher's traded down before when he drafted Cam York, he traded down and he got some draft equity to do that as well. And this draft being that to use that word you use, kind of ordinary is not a bad place to do it when you're, when you're up high, because maybe you can find something there too. You really got to rely on your scouts here and, and that department 
to be able to find the guys that are going to translate to the next level. Uh, Let's get to one more question here. Uh, Rob tweets in and he says, I'm ready to boycott the team until they get new ownership, but any chance you can give me one, two positives for next season that don't include Johnny hockey. Let's just attack it from the Johnny hockey standpoint first, because I mean, if he goes to free agency as an unrestricted free agent coming off the year that he came off of, oofah, he's going to get paid. He's going to get full term. He's going to get seven years. I think it's going to be somewhere probably around nine and a half by seven. Could be I, I, I think I think you get to 10. Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. 10 by seven. It could be, right? Yeah, yeah it's 70 million. million yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. front loaded, et cetera. Yeah, um, I, don't, yeah, I don't know yeah, I'm in favor of that. <laughs> no, you know, and, and Goudreau's a super exciting player. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he, you know, he's a, He's quite a talent. He's he's fun to watch. I don't know that Johnny Goudreau, given the all the Flyers' needs, that if you tie ten million e ten million a cap a year into him, you know, Johnny Goudreau alone is not going to get you where you need to get. You need multiple pieces here. He's a winger. Well, exactly, exactly, and yeah. you know, I mean, I I know it's I know you know I know it's old school wisdom. But the old school wisdom is always you build through the middle and you round out on the wings. Yeah. You, well, you're not rounding out with a $10 million player. That's your, you know, that that would be your franchise guy. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, and, and for me, yeah, I, I, I would probably have to fun on it too. Yeah, so I mean, if you could create that kind of cap space uh, to me, that's, I don't know. I, I worry about the player in the playoffs too. I really do because Look, I'm not building a team for the regular season to be a wagon that can win a president's trophy. I, yeah. I don't care about that. I'd rather be third or fourth in my division, get into the playoffs, and be a team that's built for four yeah. rounds of best of seven. Yeah. And I just don't know that he's built for it, even in today's game. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess the question here is what, what can we say to get him along for the ride, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what I would say is, you know, you sh- – Couturier should be a hundred percent again. That that helps right there. You know, hopefully Kevin Hayes stays healthy. Um, Farabee continues. You know, uh, Farabee, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, it'd be hard to be as banged up as they were this past year. That was an exceptionally bad year in terms of injuries. So that that alone, that alone helps the team and gets you part of the way. Um, I don't know if that's going to make any turn anybody turn backflips, but that helps. Yeah, I mean, the coaching have- decision is a big one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the you know, uh, get the right coach, the right system, the right buy-in. Um, cut the goals against average, which has to be still has to be cut significantly. I mean, that's that's why. I mean, uh, that's why you and I talked about Trot so much, because he has a, a track record of doing that, and he doesn't need great talent there to accomplish that. You yeah. you know, if you if you jump up in, in goals against average rank, well, so is your league standing. You you know you will move up considerably in the standings to where you're at least a bubble team. Yeah, that's just that's just you know historical fact. So I mean, yeah, somebody had tweeted me and said, well, if they hire Tortorella, he's a dinosaur. He's going to turn you know certain players in Farabee into a nine goal player. And I said, well, did he turn Cam Atkinson into a nine goal player? Right. <laughs> Cam Atkinson averaged over thirty goals a year playing under John Tortorella. Right. So. Yeah, and then when he coached the Rangers, I mean, you know, they, they, they didn't have a Panarin kind of kind of a talent, you know. But yeah, but the Rangers, they won, <laughs> they won. Uh, he's, you know, I, I mean, they're not. This isn't uh, 
you know, this isn't McLean and the, the Florida Panthers of the, you know, the, the mid nineties. I mean, yeah. you know, the guys are the guys who can score are still going to score. And every coach prefers the attack if he can. Yeah. Um, if, if anything, you know, if anything, sometimes, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, Tortorella is actually, he's a fan of a very aggressive four check as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Gets, so, in and gets on it, but he's also, you know, a big fan in the D zone of, yeah, you know, getting in the way of shots and yeah, being difficult big, on the puck and everything. Big block shot guy, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, so, you know, I mean, you need a, you know, you need guys who play with a, with a lot of energy. I mean, that's why Atkinson was such a favorite of his too, because he's he's that nonstop energy guy and yeah. commitment, honest. Uh yes, and uh, you know, he doesn't like guys who take shifts off. That's for sure. No, no matter how much talent they have, you, you know. <laughs> You can ask Dubois that. You can ask mm-hmm. Liney that. He does does not care who you are. If you don't play the way he wants you to play, you will sit. Yeah, there is no selective but, accountability. Yeah. Liney's yeah. second game after getting traded there yeah. still needed to be extended too. By the yeah. way, um, yeah. he sat him down. Didn't play so, in the second half uh, of the game. So there, there, there's there's no mystery. But mm-hmm. uh, so I mean, all those things would help. And what would really help is. Cam York takes the next step, yeah. right? And uh, you know the, the and Owen Tippett takes the next step. And the, what we saw from Frost of the final twelve to fifteen games of the season, he builds off of that. He doesn't take a step back, but starts from about that place and builds from there. Then all of a sudden you have depth. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have some exciting young players. I mean, this is a lot of things that have to happen as we've discussed. Does it get you to cup contender? No, no. I, I don't, you know, I, you know, I, I don't see a road to do that in a year. I just don't. But yeah, I think you look at the playoffs and you go like, look at these. Yeah. I mean, like that yeah. pass from Kucherov to Plot. I mean, come yeah. on. Do we have that guy uh, but, that can do that? <laughs> but you, you know, you create cap space. You change your team identity around. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a year from now, you're sitting on more space. Yeah. By not going, you know, by not jumping in with, both this this season, yeah. and then all of a sudden you you have the ability to add that impact piece on top of guys that are coming along. Um, last last thing, I think that uh, the Flyers' power play season was historically bad this year. I mean, yeah, I, I think we said last podcast that it it took two power play goals in the final game of the season to not have the worst power play season in franchise history, sixty seven sixty eight. It was, you know, like 0.1% lower than than they they ended up this year. You're not. That's probably not going to happen again. They should improve somewhat on there. Yeah. Um. You know, the penalty kill. We'll see how much that improves. But just simply, just simply improving your special teams and cutting your goals against average. That that's that's a lot of the game there, and a lot of that can be done with coaching. Yeah. Even with. Even the average roster. So. Yeah, to me, I always use that. There's a couple things in hockey you can't microwave. A player's development, you can't just pop them in the microwave like uh, like a, I think a cup of noodles, or you're gonna get cup of noodles. <laughs> and you can't <laughs> yeah. microwave, you know, a quick retool or rebuild or turnaround. You have to, you have to make prudent decisions that that you would, the same decision you have to make the same decision you would make if you weren't in a rush. Yeah, and that's hard. That's hard to do because you want to get there quickly, but you can't. You have to. There's lines of demarcation, like we talked about with Gaudreau. 
if that line's 10 million over seven years at 70 million total, I can't yeah. do it because I don't think it's the right thing to do, even though I want to rush to get there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it would certainly make games more entertaining. Does it make you a better hockey team? Nope. Does it get you truly closer to being a contender and not just a bubble team? I don't, I don't think that I would do that. No. Great stuff as always. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on a two-parter part one Monday, part two in this episode. And we'll be back Friday with another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. We'll keep our ear to the ground when it comes to the coaching search and more as the offseason continues for the Philadelphia Flyers. Everybody, have a great Wednesday, and we'll talk to you Friday on a brand new Flyers Daily.